Amen. We're in a two in the second part of a series on the book of Acts, and we're calling it Forward in Reverse. And here's the basic premise that as the church, as God's people, as the people of God, we actually look back to the Bible to get our marching orders to move forward in this life. So we we look back to an ancient book that is a living book to get our instructions to move ahead. So last week we gathered around this idea that we've been given great power. Great power in the Holy Spirit to be on mission in our city. I'm not going to put it up, but Acts chapter 1 verse 8 uh, puts it clearly. says that you will receive power. The word is dynamite, right? Unmistakably present Holy Spirit. Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it says you will be my witnesses around the earth, everywhere, right? But as we get ready to lean into an amazing story in Acts chapter 2, it would do us well to just back up and talk about just who is this Holy Spirit. Maybe you grew up in church and you just remember the Holy Ghost and brimstone preaching, right? Some of you are chuckling, right? Maybe you grew up in a charismatic environment and all you remember as a kid is people running around barking like dogs and, you know, like maybe even a serpent or two, right? You've heard some crazy stories and you're like, "Mm," you're like, man, all that and they're blaming it on the Holy Ghost. I don't want none of that, right? Like maybe you're here and you don't have any church background. So you're like, I think all of y'all are weird. (laughs) You're not really sure about God let alone this spirit or ghost thing, right? I've had my own struggles with this doctrine of God, right? And I like to say that I was born in the church, raised in the church. I mean, I've been breathing church since I was in my mommy's belly. I've always been in it. But I just grew up and really most of my life just assumed that this Holy Spirit was just this impersonal, impersonal force that was out there. And I, I knew he was real and I knew he was doing things on the earth. And he was, you know, supposedly part of the Godhead, right? The, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we talked a lot about God. I prayed a lot of things to Jesus that I felt. Certainly asked the Father to bless my cheesesteak, Right? Can I get an amen in church today? I knew that stuff, but I didn't pay a ton of attention to the third person. And it is a person, right? The Holy Spirit is not a ghost. I began to pray in my 20s. I was already a pastor, for crying out loud. I was already ordained into ministry. I'd been to seminary, (laughs) Cemeteries, what some of them call call it, you know, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> some of you have been there, you know. But it really was. I was in my mid twenties, and somebody challenged me to pray to the Holy Spirit directly to God, the Holy Spirit, living in me, 
living in you. And it changed my life. It honestly changed my life because the Holy Spirit is not just a ghost. (laughs) Even Casper, the friendly ghost, you're like, I don't care if he's friendly or not, he's a ghost. I want nothing to do with that. (laughs) How many of you know Casper, the friendly ghost? Come on. Age yourself right now. (laughs) I love it. The Holy Spirit is a person that you can know. The Holy Spirit is a person that you can have a friendship with. We're not going to turn there, but St. Paul the Apostle ends his letter to a group of his friends in a church in a city called Corinth. And he ends by encouraging them to do this. Literally the last thing he says to this group of people that he loves is to enjoy the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I love the way Eugene Peterson translates it in the message. He calls it an intimate friendship. That we would enjoy an intimate friendship with God in the person of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. You, in fact, can't do what God's called you to do apart from the Holy Spirit's work in you. Just think about this. It's all about that relationship. Think about just five things. We'll put them on the screen that are that are true of the Holy Spirit. And if you're taking notes, you can write these five down. There's some scriptures in your notes with it. But but here's these five. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Think about that. Just like our friendships, there, there are decisions that we make that grieve each other. We understand that. The Holy Spirit feels that. He can be grieved. Just like any relationship, He can be resisted. You can actually resist that friendship, that intimacy for any plethora of reasons, right? That's, we might be the best at that part of the relationship if you're anything like me. You're probably better than I am. He can be insulted. But what, what might I do that actually insults the person of God? Let's get more positive. (laughs) He can be enjoyed. What an awesome thing that we would enjoy friendship with the Spirit of God. He can also be prayed with. That you would be filled with the Spirit as you commune with Him, as you pray to Him. That's really what prayer is, right? It's a conversation with God. It's all about that relationship. But I think if I could point you in all of those things to maybe the biggest reason, the biggest explanation of why you and I actually need the Holy Spirit and need to pay attention to Him and need to talk to Him and need to pray that He would fill us is simply this. If you get nothing else out of today, walk away with this. Even Jesus prayed for and was filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I just make a suggestion? If the second person of the Trinity needed the third, who are you and I to ignore that Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit. Some of you are doubting, I can tell. Let me give you some scriptures. Matthew 3.16 says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, As soon as he was baptized, he went up out of the water. That's why we dunk you here. All right. At that moment, heaven was open 
and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. It's not a dove. I know some of you are like, you know, you've got that dove picture, Holy Spirit. Like a dove resting on him. Wow. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I'm not going to read all of it, but the Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was what? Full of the Holy Spirit. You go on a little bit later, he was led by the Holy Spirit. Now listen, he was led out into the wilderness, so it's not always the Holy Spirit going to take you into easy, right? But even when he goes into hard, who, who's going with you? The Holy Spirit. Full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. And then in his, in his own mission statement, here's why I'm here, Luke chapter 4, verse 14 and 18. Jesus returned to Galilee, what? In the power of the Spirit. You go on a little bit farther and he says, here's what I came to do, but I'm going to do it because the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to it later, but Jesus would go on to preach a sermon in Luke chapter 11, and I don't want to let the cat out of the bag too fast. But Jesus said to us, to his disciples, that, listen, if you guys who are earthly fathers know how to give gifts to your kids, Man, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you'll just ask for it? We need the Holy Spirit. But with that backdrop, we're better able to understand our own lives as we come into this Acts 2 story. Because if you are to just drop in on Acts 2 and take a look at it, you might understand why, like, man, this, this whole thing's kind of weird. <laughs> Because apart from that, that, that the Spirit of God is moving around the earth and in the earth and in His people... You might be tempted to think that this impersonal force was just doing some weird things and even if you believe God is real. But here's what's amazing. It's coming out of Acts chapter 1, remember? We're told that we're going to be given power and we're about to see when the power comes to each person. But it was in this backdrop of Jesus leaving. And that's significant. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but as Jesus ascended to heaven, picture that, had to be disappointing. (laughs) Jesus is going away. Jesus is returning to heaven. But what is so significant about that? Heaven is coming to earth in the power and work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said we would do greater things, that his church would spread through the whole earth and we're living proof of that. But as he ascended into heaven, heaven was descending to us. And now, literally, heaven has come to earth Jesus' prayer has been fulfilled because the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ, is literally everywhere on this earth. Heaven is coming to earth just as it is in heaven. It's amazing. So, every human being who would believe would be given this Holy Spirit, would be given this intimate relationship with 
the Holy Spirit. So with that in mind, we're Acts chapter 2, and it's called Pentecost, and it's 50 days after the Passover. And so the people of God are supposed to be celebrating. They're supposed to be remembering the Passover from Exodus and celebrating at Pentecost all that God had done and his provision. And you can get a good study Bible and dive into that some more. I don't want to spend our time there today. But we're 50 days after the Passover. And it says when... Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Because remember, Jesus said, go and, go and wait, and I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. They had, had, couldn't have had any idea what that meant. <laughs> but he tells them to go and wait. So they go and they wait and they gather. And then put yourself there. They're, they're in this upper room. They're, they're together in one place. Probably a room just similar to this, but maybe with stone walls, which is cooler than what we've got going on. All right? But they're in this room that they potentially rented or somebody let them use that, that knew them. And, you know, they were regular people, by the way. They, they needed cover to worship and just like we do. And they, they did a lot of the same things that we're doing. It's pretty cool to think about. In fact, there was going to be like 120 of them, we're told. It's about the size of our group today. It's an amazing thought. And so so here they are, gathered together in one place, waiting for God to come. And here's what it says. It says, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be, it's important, it wasn't, but they're searching for language. Luke is searching for language as to what might describe this power, this wind that's coming and filling the room. It says it seemed to be tongues of fire. Even translators to English, they, they struggle with how to fully wrap language around this idea that the Holy Spirit was there. That He was coming and it was sudden and it was powerful and it was noisy and it was awesome seem to be tongues of fire that separated can you see it can you see it just the spirit of god comes with great force and great power and it's unmistakably him it's from heaven the text says they just they knew it was from heaven and it begins to separate and i love this and it came to rest on each one of them when was the last time this happened when jesus got baptized when Jesus declared that he was here and on mission, he was given the Holy Spirit who would come and rest on him. And here are those gathered as the first New Testament church. And the Holy Spirit comes and rests on each one of them. And then listen to this, verse 4. All of them, every single one of them, and you can today, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So it wasn't something they conjured up, some kind of crazy thing. The Spirit begins to enable them to speak in these other languages. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Every nation. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came 
together in bewilderment because each one heard in their own language being spoken. So, so you, 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 you hear this, that they don't all speak the same language. They're gathered at this feast, this Pentecost, and they've come from all over, so they, they can't all communicate with each other. Right? Think Tower of Babel. It's, it's, it's reminiscent of the fact that God confused their languages and there was separation, but now, under the power of the Holy Spirit, they're being brought back together. And they're amazed because they're all understanding what's being said and what's being told. Verse 7, Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? That was a dig, by the way. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And listen to this. I love this. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however made fun of them and said they've just had too much wine. <laughs> and what's crazy is so the very next thing that happens and we don't have time to unpack all of it today but the very next thing that happens is Peter wild Peter running of the mouth Peter just denied Jesus Peter gets up and preaches a sermon and 3,000 people get saved. And boom, the church explodes like what? Dynamite. And the earth has never been the same. Wow. It's powerful. It's amazing. For these things to happen in our city, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need every single body, local expression of the church that believes in the Bible and in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Spirit, moving together in our city for the sake of the Gospel. We need all of them. We're just one expression of that. But even for us, for God to do something new in us and in our city, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need, let's think about it this way, we need ordinary people living ordinary lives under the extraordinary power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need us to create another program or do another thing. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And then you need to go to your house and your neighborhood and your job and your coworkers and your family and you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because what happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You begin to look to God, you begin to look with God, then you begin to be like God. It's powerful. Jesus told us that it would start here. That the very thing that would allow people to see that there's something different 
would be when the people of God love each other. Right? So what, what is the thing that... Right? So, so they, they were so different that these people are like, actually, they're just drunk. <laughs> it stood out enough that these people were like, something's definitely happening, but I think it's wine. <laughs> but no, there was this other group of people that are like, man, we hear them speaking in our own languages. The wonders of God. When Jesus left the earth and promised the Holy Spirit to whoever believed on Him, He invited us and made available to us through the Spirit His power to do something totally new on the earth. And He's still doing it. That new thing is a taste of heaven on earth. That's the church. That new thing is to become a child of God And then invite everyone that comes across your path to be a part, to come and see, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and in relationship to each other. And we're going to spend all of next week talking about that because the end of Acts chapter 2 is awesome. And we're going to talk about how we do that. But in Acts 2, as those first believers were filled with the Holy Spirit, I want to point out three things to you today. And then we're going to take communion together. Okay. First, if you're taking notes, they're there. The Spirit enables our work. This isn't a to-do list. This isn't a program. This is the Holy Spirit filling you. It's enabled by the Spirit. We, we can't do the thing that God, right? Like, what is it that God called us to do? To be His witness, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus tells the story of this great party called heaven, and He says, I want you to go to the hedges and highways and what? Compel people to come in. Why? So that my house will be full. How can, how can that happen? You need to be filled with the Spirit. Like Jesus, we can't do anything for God on our own power. You just wrestle with that for a little bit, that Jesus needed to be filled with the Spirit. You're like, but He's God. Yeah, but He wanted and needed and used the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot save anyone. You can't. And if you choose to not be a witness for the rest of your life, the people around you that God's calling to Himself, the children of God, they're still going to get saved because God saves people. But you'll miss out on the blessing of being a part of seeing them come to the family. We will miss out on seeing them come to the family. There's a blessing there for those of us, right? Jesus said, without faith, it's impossible to please me. But if you will seek me, there's a reward for those that do. What's the reward? There's this, there's this great blessing of seeing the family of God grow and watching people move from death to life in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's nothing like that. The moment you see somebody come to Christ and bow the knee, it'll change your life forever. It's amazing. But the Holy Spirit has to do that. He has to give you the power to be His witness. It may not look like you suddenly know another language and you start speaking Chinese to somebody out there in, uh, out there at, uh, you know, the park. 
You're just like, suddenly I knew Mandarin. (laughs) That can happen. God can do whatever He wants. You go on a mission trip. One of our one of our people was just in Africa. Like maybe maybe he suddenly knows Swahili. <laughs> Probably not. But he could. God can do whatever he wants. But it might mean that your story resonates with a coworker. Your simple story, which you think is insignificant might be the thing that God uses with great power to a coworker who needs Jesus or to your barista who is floundering and needs Jesus. Or, you know, we, we don't know what's going on in the hearts of people, but I do know that God moves to and fro on the earth and He's drawing people to Himself and He's using you to do it. And He's promised to be there with you you may be tempted to write that off because in reality on the mission field or at school or at work, there's this tension, right? Because this is strange. <laughs> even, even what we do in here, like there's an element that's strange, right? Like that you come and you sit and you listen to, for some of you, a guy that's younger than you. And sometimes he yells at me. <laughs> Like, some of this is strange, right? Like, we get the concert thing, but people lifting their arms and talking about this Holy Ghost. It, there's some strangeness here. But that's really the point, isn't it? That there's something different here. That there's something different as the people of God gathers. There's something strange. Apart from the Spirit, it would be just that. It would be strange, <laughs> It's called a cult. <laughs> I mean, think about it. We, we, we give our first fruits to the work that God's doing here. That's strange. I mean, you've probably got some other stuff you could do with your money, right? I know I do. I'd like to have a boat. I'd like to, you know, go fishing every Sunday. Hire a babysitter so my wife and I can go fishing every Sunday. <laughs> Something more peaceful out there on the water, you know what I'm saying? Just getting up and coming to this gathering on a Sunday morning and prioritizing that. Because the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. And then we look at this ancient group of people and it's like, well, they gathered in the temple and then they gathered in homes. So we're going to do both. We're going to go to church on Sunday. We're going to go to a city group in the week. Like you're, we, we have a, a training right after this for... For city group leaders, like, why would you do that during nap time on a Sunday? (laughs) Because there's something at work. God's at work. We gather here, devoted to Christ and devoted to each other, because the Spirit fills us and prompts us that this is significant. The Spirit fills us to be loving to each other. Right? It's what Jesus prayed in John seventeen twenty one that all of them may be one. Just as you are in me and I am in you, like, like that we could experience what the Trinity experiences amongst themselves. Intimate friendship. It's amazing. It's strange. But it's good. 
Not only that, I mean, that would be good enough, but look at this. Would that group that gathers and knows each other also be in us? Why? So that the world may believe that you sent me. Like it's, it's, it's not going to be anything else but the thing that Jesus prayed for that you and I would love each other, that you guys would love each other so much that people would be like, that's not grape juice. <laughs> These people are weird. Something different about them. But I do know they love each other. I do know that they're there for each other. Ephesians chapter 5 goes even farther, right? Paul says this, be very careful. How careful? Very careful. How you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Some of you wonder, what, what is God's will for my life? Here it is. I'm going to change your life right now. You'll never have to ask again. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, what is God's will? Be filled with the Spirit. What do you do with that? You go to church. Look at what it says. Speaking to each other with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. You want to know why we sing a lot here? You want to know why you stood for like 35 minutes and sang your heart out? Right there. Speak to each other with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because they're songs, what? From the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. Is your situation part of everything? Is your difficulty part of everything? Right? Like, like I just had this conversation with my nine-year-old just the other day as he was going back to school. He's got spina bifida. He, we adopted him from Ethiopia. Uh, his skin does not look like my skin. And he's just processing how, how different things are for him with his condition with his canes and with the routines medically he goes through. And, and it comes back to this. We, we give thanks to God, buddy, because there's somebody who's going to need your story. That God's going to draw to himself. And only you have been gifted the way you've been gifted. And I would say that to you. As you give thanks for everything that God is taking you through. You can rest knowing that it is in the name, what's the text say? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you're filled with the Spirit, with songs from the Spirit, making music in your heart to the Lord. And we do that together. How? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. <laughs> only, only the Holy Spirit can do that amongst the selfish people. Right? Like we don't do that by ourselves. Maybe you do, I don't. Second, the wonders we declare, all of that that I just described, those wonders we declare, people getting healed when we pray, that's happened in these three short years, by the way. We've seen these wonders. They're, they're simply to bring people to God. They're not for us. They're not, they're not so that we like, can be like, that was cool. But, but they bring people to God, right? That, that's what verse 11 says. 
it says we hear them declaring what? The wonders of God. All of us in our own language. Whatever wonders God gives to us or uses us are simply tools to usher people to Jesus. Our money, our homes, our toys, our building, our staff, our music, all of it, tools to remove barriers and get people to the feet of Jesus. Every single part of it. What happens here is for those that are out there. But we get encouraged along the way, right? It's not numbers, it's souls. Souls of people that need Jesus. God's kids that are still out there, our brothers and sisters, our our family that's still out there that, that doesn't yet know that they belong here with us in the family of God, adopted, redeemed, loved, cared for. And all of that is exciting. And I'm excited for it because God chooses to use you and I to do these incredible things. But it's not all easy going, right? Because verse 13 shows us the third thing in your notes there that there is always opposition to the Spirit's work. If your life is super easy, watch out. Because if you're following the Spirit of God, Psalm 23 tells us that we're going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But we don't have to fear any evil because God's with us. But you will go through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus, when he was filled with the Spirit, immediately into the wilderness, tempted by Satan. Forty days worth. We need to be aware of the fact that there is an enemy that would love to, as Scripture says, would love to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible talks of him as a lion roaming through the earth, seeking whom he can devour. He wants us to not love each other. He wants us to not be a witness at work. He wants us to not go to school and talk about Jesus. He wants us to shrink back from our calling in fear. He wants our church to be irrelevant in this community. If our church would die, cease to exist, would anybody miss it? Would anybody notice the devil would like that to be a no? But, 1 John 4, 4, amen? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Right? What does the Bible say? If you resist the devil, he'll think about fleeing from you. That's not what the scripture says, right? It says if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. The Holy Spirit will overcome all of that stuff if we'll invite Him in and be available to walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit just like Jesus. Amen?